26, starting off in verse, there you go, uh, starting off in verse 36. So um, tonight we're going to be talking about a uh, part of scripture that's a little bit harder uh, to kind of talk through. Actually, the next couple of weeks uh, of the, the story of Jesus, of the life of Jesus that we're going to be jumping into uh, are going to be a lot harder uh, to talk through because we're kind of getting to the, the climax of Jesus's life, the whole reason uh, that he's, he came to earth. And so we're leading up uh, to the moments that he's on the cross. And so uh, everything we've been studying the last few months, if you've been with us online or if you've been able to be here in person when we've done in-person stuff, uh, even with the short weekend talking about our identity is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Everything we've been talking about uh, is kind of leading up to this point in scripture to see uh, what Jesus did for us on the cross, what he sacrificed um, so that we could be connected to God. Uh, and so we know what happens, right? I mean, if you've been in church uh, at any point or, or most of your life, and I know a lot of you have, uh, we kind of know what happens uh, in, in the days leading up to the cross. Uh, Jesus is tortured. He's beaten. Uh, he's made fun of. He's laughed at. He's pushed down. Uh, and ultimately, he's killed. And, and why is that? It's because his sacrifice on the cross is what clears our name with God. His sacrifice on the cross is what gives us the opportunity to get right with God so that we can have a personal relationship with the God that created us. Uh, and so what we need to know tonight as we kind of get into our story in Matthew 26 uh, is this wasn't an easy thing to do, right? Uh, I mean, does anybody think dying on the cross would be an easy thing? No, it's not. It was not an easy thing to do. This isn't something that Jesus just did and moved on to the next thing. No, like this was the ultimate sacrifice. And so um, Jesus is going to go on in the next uh, couple of weeks that we're going to be talking about. He's going to go on uh, and suffer some of the worst, uh, worst suffering that you could ever possibly imagine going through. Uh, he's going to see some of the worst parts of humanity that he is here to save. Uh, and I wrote down some of the people that he is here to free are the ones that are throwing chains around him. Uh, and the people that he is here to give life to are the ones proclaiming at the top of their lungs to kill him. They're proclaiming for his death, but he's here to bring their life. Uh, and so as we get closer uh, to this, this ultimate test, this ultimate sacrifice on the cross, uh, we're going to look at Matthew 26 tonight. And we're going to talk about uh, in the days leading up to as Jesus takes his disciples uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane and, and he goes to God in prayer. We're going to talk through that passage tonight, uh, what that means for us, uh, but also see what Jesus, the example that he set for us as he's going to his worst moments imaginable, what did he do? And so we're going to look at his example tonight. So y'all turn in Matthew uh, 26, verse starting off in verse 36. I think it's also going to be uh, up on the screen as well. It says, uh, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for just one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink of it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and still resting? 
Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Like I said, hard, hard passage to kind of read through and kind of jump into. Uh, we're going to do our best now. So the thing that I see here uh, mentioning it, it, it kind of mentioned at the beginning of our discussion tonight is that uh, Jesus knows where his strength comes from, right? Uh, he's going to go on uh, to, to do this sacrifice on the cross. He's going to go on uh, and, and be beaten and be tortured and be killed and ridiculed and mocked. Uh, and he knows the one place that he's going to get the strength that he needs to carry the weight of the cross, to carry the weight of our sins. And as, he, as he's preparing to do that, he goes to God and he takes his disciples up to the Mountain of Olives uh, to this Garden of Gethsemane where he connects one-on-one -on -one with God. Uh, and random side note, and actually question, and this is not spiritual at all, but uh, just something I was thinking about as I was reading this passage. So Jesus goes up to the Mountain of Olives with his disciples and goes to a garden and prays, right? He goes to a garden on the Mountain of Olives. So he goes to a garden with olives in it, right? Essentially Olive Garden. Is this the like, first mention in history of Olive Garden? Yeah? You think? See, personally, I think that's why the disciples fell asleep, because they ate too many breadsticks. Like, they went to Olive Garden and were supposed to be praying for their meal, and they sat there and ate breadsticks the whole time. Like I said, that's not spiritual at all, but I'm pretty sure that's where Olive Garden started within the Bible. So, everybody, we're going to Olive Garden after this message. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So, I know, for real, the first thing I see in our passage tonight, uh, besides the beginning of never ending pasta, can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 She knows what's up. All right. Uh, so the first thing that I see, uh, it'll be on your screen if you got a pen or write it in your phone, uh, is that we have to go to God with our struggles. We have to go to God with our struggles. And I know I've said it multiple times at this point, uh, but Jesus was headed to a really, really, really hard death, right? Uh, he wasn't just going to die for our sins. He was going to be mutilated for our sins. He was going to be beaten and tortured, ridiculed, stabbed. He was laughed at. Uh, all these things that he was about to have to go through. Uh, and I, man, I, can't, I can't imagine uh, Jesus wrestling with that in this moment, right? Like, I complain when God tells me to give my breakfast to the homeless guy on the side of the road. Like, man, I just picked up his Whataburger taquito. I really don't want to give it to him. But it's like, you know, I second guess and question God in the simplest of tasks. And Jesus is like, God, your will is not mine. If you want me to die on the cross, then I will do it. Uh, I can't imagine what he was having to go through and wrestle if uh, I think it's on the screen as well. Luke 22 actually says, uh, it's the same uh, part, it's the same story just in, uh, in the book of Luke. Luke 22 says, and being in anguish, he prayed even more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. Like Jesus was literally sweating blood as he was wrestling with what he was about to do to save all of us. Uh, and in the same passage, just right after that verse, uh, it tells us that God literally sends an angel to Jesus in that moment just to help him pray that prayer, to lift him up and give him strength to just even pray that prayer that he was going to have to pray. And so Jesus knows where his help comes from. He knows where his strength is coming from. It comes from God. And if we're going to follow the example that Jesus sets for us in our passage tonight, uh, then when we face struggles, when we face hardships, now thankfully none of us, I pray, will ever have to endure what Jesus endured, endured on the cross. Thankfully, we're never going to have to endure that pain for our sins. But we are going to face hardships. We are going to face struggles. And Jesus tells us in our Bible, in this world, you will face hardships because of me. We are going to face those things. But where should we turn to? 
when we face those struggles? Where should we turn to when we face those hardships? We have to turn to Jesus. We have to turn to God. When we face uh, depression, when we face anger, when we face uh, a literal worldwide shutdown where we're stuck in our house for months, or when we face uh, maybe hurtful gossip that other people are sharing about us at school, um, and when we face opposition to who we are and what our faith is, when we face arguments with our parents, or when we face our fears or our doubts, or uh, we face things on social media uh, that just seem so insurmountable, it's like we can't get over it, we can't get through it. There's one place that we have to run to. We have to run to Jesus. We have to run to God just like Jesus is, does in this. Sorry. Uh, we have to run to Jesus. We have to run to God. Just like Jesus does in this moment, in his hardest moment, he runs to God. And the cool thing is, we're able to conquer those hardships. We're able to conquer those struggles that we face because Jesus already conquered them. Jesus has already conquered all the things that you're going to face. And when we put our identity in him, when we put our faith and our trust in him, we overcome those struggles. We overcome those hardships because our Savior, Jesus, has already overcome the world. Um, I do think we're, I was talking to Natalie about this uh, passage earlier today. We were kind of talking about that moment of uh, Jesus is just brutal honesty with God. Like, you know, Jesus was God, but he was also fully man in that moment. And in that moment of, like, beautiful, perfect weakness, right? He goes to God and says, God, not my will, but yours. But, man, if there's any possible way, can you take this cup from me? Can you take this sacrifice? God, I really don't want to do this. This is going to be awful. But it's not my will, God. It's yours. And even in that moment of, uh, like, I don't, I don't even want to say fear or weakness because Jesus was perfect, obviously. But in that moment, he was still perfect because he still followed after the will of God for his life. Even in the hardest of circumstances, he still knew where to turn to. And that was God because God was going to give him the strength to go on and save the entire world. And Jesus knew where his help from, came from. And he also knew that God was in control of that situation. Like when we face struggles of any kind, we run to God. We then have to trust God with that situation. You know, Jesus says, not my will, but yours. He trusted God. He said, please take it from me. But if you're not going to, I fully trust you. I fully lean into your will power for my life, what I am supposed to do in this moment, God, I am fully trusting you. Hang on, I mean, could y'all imagine if Jesus didn't give his full trust or his full faith in God in that moment? Where would we be, right? Like, we probably wouldn't even be in this building talking about Jesus. Like, we might not even have salvation to hope and chase after if Jesus didn't give everything to God in that moment and fully trust in God to overcome the struggle that he was about to face. Um, so the second thing I see in our passage uh, is Jesus' own words in our passage when he's talking to the disciples. He says, uh, he says, watch and pray. It's going to be up here. You'll write it down. Watch and pray. Uh, he tells his disciples, hey, watch and pray uh, so that you're not tempted. And, and what happens, right? We, we see it over and over in the passage. They fall asleep. They go up to Olive Garden. They eat too many breadsticks. They got one too many bowls of pasta. And then they just crash. They can't keep their eyes open. They're like, everybody ever felt that like in, in math class like you just can't keep your eyes open like forget this i'm you know, like right you're not watching the math you're not praying that god help me on the math test you're like oh, please like hey please fix this okay <laughs> i didn't like math class um so, but they didn't do with what they were supposed to be doing they were supposed to be sitting there watching praying but they fell asleep 
time after time as, as they sat in the garden. Uh, and so I think it's really interesting what he says is watch and pray so that you won't be tempted. Uh, I kind of want to rest and kind of talk about that for a couple of seconds. Like watch and pray so that you won't be tempted. Um, so watch and pray. What does that do? What does that, that tell us? That tells us to kind of be mindful of our surroundings. Be mindful uh, of the thoughts that, and the desires that are going on in our head and in our hearts. That we're supposed to pray through them. We're supposed to pray over them. Uh, we're supposed to connect with God. We're supposed to watch and pray uh, so that we can keep our minds and our hearts focused in on God. And I think what he is also saying in this moment is that in our struggles or in our hardships that we're going to face, because remember, as he's talking to the disciples, uh, telling them, watch and pray so you won't be tempted. What are, what's going to happen to the disciples after Jesus goes on and, and goes back to heaven? Uh, they're going to go out on the run for their own lives. They're, they're going to fear for their own life. They're going to be run out of cities. They're going to be mo uh, mocked and ridiculed. Uh, but they're also going to go on and experience some real incredible spiritual highs. Uh, but as he's telling them, like, you're going to face hardships, you're going to face struggles just like we do, uh, what does he do? He says, watch and pray so that you aren't tempted. Because when's the best time for Satan to tempt you away from the will of God? It's when you're distracted, right? It's when you're focusing in on the hardships, when you're focusing in on the struggles, when you're focusing in on all the things that are pulling you away from Jesus. Jesus, all the things that are uh, keeping your focus away from Jesus and kind of saying, hey, pay attention to me. You're not going to overcome this one. This one's going to be the one that gets you. That's the time that Satan jumps in and tries to tempt us away because our focus isn't on Jesus. Our focus is on what's right in front of us. We're focusing in on that hardship or struggle. That's the moment that he is going to try and trip us up, that he's going to throw things in front of us that are going to pull us away from the will of God. So Jesus tells us in this moment, Watch and pray so that you're not tempted. Watch and pray, even in your hardest struggles, even in the things that you're going to face in your life. Watch and pray so that Satan can't throw a stick in front of you that you trip over. So that he can't throw another distraction in front of your faith uh, that you start paying attention to more than you pay attention to reading the Bible. Right? Focus in on Jesus. Focus in on God. Watch and pray your way through your faith so that your attention stays on Jesus. You don't let temptation get a foothold because ultimately, right, temptation is only going to make that struggle worse. Temptations and the distractions that Satan is going to throw in front of you is only going to make that situation or that hardship that much more worse. And so we have to focus in on Jesus. We have to watch and pray our way through anything that we face. And, and y'all, I, I think it's really safe to say that uh, we face a lot of hardships this year, right? Anybody? I know I have. We've faced a lot of hardships this year. Uh, and, and ultimately, you know, we're going to face a lot more on this side of heaven. Until Jesus comes back or we go to meet him, uh, we're going to face a lot of things that are just going to be a bummer. Uh, we're going to face a lot of things that are going to test our faith. We're going to face a lot of things uh, that are going to seek to pull you away from the will of God. But Jesus, we've talked about it for month, months, Jesus paints the roadmap time and time again of how we're supposed to overcome, how we can overcome the struggles and hardships that we face by following after his example, by putting our full identity and trust in him. Because again, we overcome struggles and hardships because Jesus overcame struggles and hardships. He's already beaten death itself. He can beat that struggle. He can beat that hardship that you're facing. You have to turn to God. And as we, as we go the next couple of weeks and as we 
start talking about next week, we're going to be talking about the crucifixion, and we're going to be talking about Jesus uh, coming back from the grave and conquering death, and we're going to talk about uh, Jesus going back to heaven and purposing us as Christians, as his followers, of what we're supposed to do next. As we wrap up this series, man, I hope the biggest thing that you have learned uh, as we've gone through this the last few months is to fully put everything you are, every bit of trust, every bit of faith, every bit of identity uh, that you think you have inside of you, is to put that in Jesus. Give him everything that you are, and then follow after his example. Follow after his will for your life, because then you aren't going to follow after you're not going to overcome struggles. You're not going to overcome hardships if you're not following after him. We have to put our faith. We have to put our trust in Jesus and follow after him. And Jesus and God will see you through it. They'll see you through it. Jesus goes to God in the garden and says, God, I can't do this. And what happens? Luke 22, God sends an angel and says, I'm going to even give you the strength to pray this prayer because this is even this prayer is going to be hard. And he gives him strength. He sees him through that struggle, and then what happens on the other side of the struggle? He offers salvation for every single one of us. All of eternity has access to God, to get right with God, because of what Jesus does in this moment. He goes to God and finds strength so that he can come and be our salvation.